1: All right, so check this out. I want to preface this story by saying that if you have any curiosity about the deep and/or dark web, just get rid of it right now. If you're an everyday user and you aren't in the know of how onion routing, encryption, VPNs, etc. work, then use stories like this one to satiate your curiosity. Don't start down that rabbit hole and don't dig any deeper than you need. That said, let's get into some backstory. I'm a tech nerd 100%. I mean, I'm the type of person that was ripping apart old PCs in the 80s and putting them back together, just to see what worked with what. Now, mind you, this was back when I was a kid. I learned about all the tech back then, and I took that passion into my adulthood. So... I work in IT now, if that wasn't obvious, and I know a lot about what goes on out there on the net. Now that's all well and good, but it's all surface web and surface level tech stuff. The question from here becomes, how does being a geek equal dark web horror story? Simple. I've been there. In fact, I've been there probably more than many of the stories that you've heard on this channel and many others out there. I've seen quite a bit, and maybe I'll give you a few more stories in the future, but this one is just one that I think is worth telling right now, mostly because it's honestly terrifying. Back when I was on the dark web frequently, there was one site that I used to venture towards pretty frequently. Obviously, I'm not naming the site, because as far as I know, it's still out there. This site was kind of like a dark web bazaar you could buy pretty much anything and everything that you could ever want and it wasn't terribly expensive either i used to buy things that were less than legal and i even used to sell some stuff that was also less than legal and honestly this site had everything substances weapons stolen goods if you wanted it you could find it there The dealers had their ratings that would pretty much tell you how reputable they were, and the higher the rating, the better the overall service or quality of what you've ordered. Think eBay rating, but for drugs and other illegal stuff. One day and one conversation sticks in my mind as probably the most memorable thing that's ever happened while I was on the dark web and this particular sales site. I was browsing the content just for the hell of it, seeing what was out there that I may have wanted to blow money on, and I saw an entry that was a bit strange. Girlfriend for sale. Honestly, I thought it was a joke. Maybe someone was selling their old silicone doll and wanted to have an eye-catching title. I went to the page and I scrolled down to the description, and it didn't help any more than the title. It simply said, Selling my girlfriend, message for details. At this point, I felt like I had to message the person, so I did. Here's how the conversation went. I said, I wanted to ask about your girlfriend for sale. He said, all right, what do you wanna know? I said, pretty much everything. He says, all right, she's 27. She's a bit on the thicker side. She has black hair, green eyes, freckles. There was more information that he included here. He used other words to describe her body type, gave exact measurements, and went into a bit of personal details about her as well. I'm not going to put them in here as I want to keep this story out of graphic territory. And after he told me all of this, I obviously knew it wasn't a sex doll. He was legitimately trying to sell a real person. I wasn't sure what to do or say at this point so i simply said go on he said would you like to see her it may make it easier to see if you're really interested i replied okay he then sent me a few pictures of this woman tied up and gagged in his basement she looked exactly like how he had described Her wrists were bound with duct tape and she had a chain around her neck that looked to be connected to a concrete pillar in a basement. The look on her face was one of legitimate terror and you could tell that she had been crying excessively and her hair was a mess. He then sent me photos of her in what I'll describe as compromising situations and positions. Again, I won't get into the details but... It honestly made me want to vomit. When I clicked on this entry on the site, I was expecting it to be a joke, but these pictures and what he told me, I was pretty certain that this was real, and that scared the hell out of me. Then he sent me another message. He said, I have one other interested buyer that's offering 70,000 cash by next week. If you can get me at least 75,000, she's yours. I was so shocked that the only thing I could even think to do was to ask what her name was. To which he replied, Sorry, I can't give out her name in case you want to do something stupid, like try to find her or contact the police. I replied with, Oh no, I wouldn't dare. I was just curious. His response to that chilled me to the bone. He said, Good, because it wouldn't matter. There's no one that'll miss her. And on paper, she's been dead for a month. I do what I can to make my transaction stress-free, and that includes my prospective buyers. I expect them to help me keep things stress-free as well, so please don't do anything stupid. He compounded that last sentence with a smiley face emoticon, which really added to the threat, to be honest. I honestly had no idea what to say. I didn't know if this was legitimate or if it was a honeypot seller trying to arrest human traffickers. I just told him that I would try to get the money together and, and if he didn't hear from me by the time the other seller came through, that it was fine. I didn't want to raise any alarms with this guy regardless of who he really was. And I really don't have much more to this story other than to say that I have no idea what happened to her or to the seller. I didn't follow up, and I just kind of let the situation go. I know, this makes me an awful person, and I've definitely lost sleep over it, but I'm more hopeful that it was just a honeypot and that he was trying to lure me into being arrested more than actually trying to sell his girlfriend.
0: At Henson, we're looking forward to the holidays, and that means more time in the kitchen. Now, imagine your trusty kitchen knife had a wobbly handle. You'd be nervous. Well, the same is true in shaving. Most razors on the market today don't support the blades well enough, allowing them to flex and bend. This is a source of razor burn. At Henson, we used our 20 years of aerospace manufacturing to solve this problem, supporting the blade so you can use it confidently. To learn more and to get 100 blades for free, go to hensonshaving.com holiday.
1: When you save on auto insurance for driving safe with USAA SafePilot, you'll feel like a big deal even in a traffic jam. Save up to 30% with USAA SafePilot. Restrictions apply. My dark web story is one that actually happened recently, like within the last four or five months, actually. And it's one of the most disturbing and sickening things that I've ever seen or experienced in my 32 years of being on this earth. There are some really sick people out there, and I want to say to those of you that are listening, stay off the dark web. Enjoy the stories that are told by those of us that were stupid enough to get involved in it, but don't get curious enough to drag yourself into the mud. Like most people, living in this quarantine has left me with an excessive amount of spare time on my hands. I'm still employed, thankfully, but... I get to work from the comfort of my living room. I'm not going to name my employer or my job title for obvious security reasons, but I will say that I'm pretty much the guy on the network team that gets to sit at home and watch data traffic spikes for the company's applications and websites. To be honest, I probably have one of the easiest jobs out there. I have to watch a graph system as it shows how much data our servers are pushing and receiving, and unless we get hit with a denial of service attack, there's not much to be done. If anything does happen, I have to get on the phone and talk with the other networking guys about what actions we want to take, and then have my weekly report call with my boss to tell her that everything is working as intended. We aren't a huge company, and we've upgraded our servers at the end of last year, which was perfect timing. So there's honestly not a whole lot to do on the day-to-day. Based on what I just said, you can probably assume that I know my way around a computer. I've been in IT my whole career, and I like to believe that I can hold my own out there. I know how networks run, I understand data routing, and I know a lot about data encryption, and security during the start of quarantine i started studying more about data security and such and ended up being interested in tor onion routing and how the deep web and the dark web differ from the surface web if you want some interesting reads you should really look into the mariana's web it's an interesting rabbit hole As most technically adapted people do, I got both bored and curious about what existed out there in the deeper parts of the internet. I didn't want to do anything illegal, but part of me wanted to be familiar with what content and activities existed beyond the surface. I know this is stupid, but boredom and extra time can be a terrifying motivator when you kind of want to know what you're doing. I went through the process of setting up my personal system to get on the deep web, installed Tails, set up Tor, got a decent VPN after some vetting, and did my security checks. I started going through some of the onion links that were easily accessible. For the most part, they were innocent sites that really didn't have anything crazy on them. I was simply perusing the pages, not getting heavily involved. I found a lot of what you would expect to find. Some adult content, a few illegal shop sites, various conspiracy boards, and other forums. Just some basic deep web content that didn't really stand out. Then, I ended up on a page that I never would have expected to see on the deep web. A dating site. I say dating site, but based on the explanation of their service and some of the profiles... I think it was meant to be more like Tinder, like a one-night-stand interaction with little to no commitment. What I found was that the dating page was set up in what I can only call categories, basically split out into what you were looking for in a partner. It had categories for race, ethnicity, background, sexual preference, personal kinks, and even a section that was basically for sugar daddies. If you don't know what that is, I'm not going to explain it to you. One category under the personal kinks section made me curious as it wasn't something that I was sure about. It was called chasers. I clicked on it and decided that I would spend a few minutes looking through the profiles. And what I ended up finding was nothing short of legitimately terrifying. The profile that I clicked on was of a middle-aged guy. He was fairly attractive and looked like someone that would do well on any of the dating apps. I was reading through who he was trying to figure out what the hell made him a chaser when I got to the bottom of his profile. It read the following, I'm looking for anyone that can help me achieve my lifelong dream of being physical with an HIV infected individual. This entire section further outlined how it was a goal of his to catch the disease, and that he was willing to pay almost any amount to do this. I went to another profile and it was a young man that explained he had been infected with COVID and that he would be willing to give it to anyone that wanted it for the price of a nice dinner. A third profile that I went to was looking for someone to hurt or severely injure them while being intimate and I'm not even going to explain the specifics of what he wanted, but that person definitely needed to seek some help. This entire category was of people looking to catch diseases or give diseases to one another, and a few were looking to be injured. A lot of them were looking to pay for these services, saying that it was a deep fantasy of theirs. I think the most disgusting one besides the ones that I already mentioned, was a man that was requesting to be with a woman that had terminal cancer. Now, there's nothing inherently wrong with being with someone that has cancer. I have no issue with that, but he was treating it like a fetish and listed in his profile that the sicker, the better. Again, he listed that he was willing to pay significant amounts of money or even take care of medical costs for this. This site cemented in my mind that there were some very, very disturbed people out there. I closed it, and I shut down my laptop. I won't say it was the last time that I ever got on the deep web, but it definitely made me more careful about where I went, and less curious about what was out there. I'm not one to ever advocate for using the dark web for any purpose other than just pure entertainment. And even then, you should keep your curiosity a bit higher on the surface, like at the deep web level. Satiate yourself with the pages that host the dumb conspiracy theories, the adult content that's legal, and the other anonymity wrapped sites that probably could exist on the surface web right next to Facebook. In the end, the dark web is for illegal activities, not everyday use, and there are too many people out there that have a strange curiosity for it. Just don't. Full stop. I want to preface this by saying that I'm submitting this story as anonymous for my own personal safety, for a few reasons, but I also want to note that I do not follow the beliefs. Or the mentalities of those in this story. When I was young, I fell into a bad group of people and was pretty much convinced that I needed to hate people because of how they looked. And I want to say that I was brainwashed 100%. I realize now how stupid this behavior and this mindset was, but but a lot of younger men are out there and they're a product of their environment. And it's incredibly difficult to not fall into these groups whenever they start to notice you. My anonymity is for two reasons. I don't want people out there to find me now and attempt to cancel me, if you will, because I was an idiot in the past. And two, I don't want these people to find me. That said, I wanted to tell you about one of the things that I found on the dark web once one of those things that really makes you lose all of your faith in humanity. Back when I was younger, probably 10 or so years ago, I used to be the edgy 20-year-old that thought I was so cool because I was hanging out in all the dark and the freaky parts of the internet. I'm not proud of who I was. I used to be on some of the boards that most people would see as reprehensible, and I was honestly brainwashed into certain things that I no longer believe. Those boards are seriously filled with some of the most reprehensible people that are of the mind that they are superior in every way. Anyways, in my time on one particular board, I won't name the name, obviously, as I don't want to give them any clout or traffic, I got in with a very specific group of people... I'll call them the Knights for the sake of this story, but that's not what they were called. For the most part, this group was full of supremacists and other very, very sick people. And while I was sort of into the same ideology of them at the time, these guys were on a whole another level. I remember that they would discuss high-profile enemies, as they would call them and they would discuss what they wanted to do to them. Usually, these people were of a specific ethnicity or origin, and usually the conversation would steer quickly towards cleanings. I would typically stay out of these conversations and would just read what the higher-ups in the groups had to say, and it was never pleasant. Most of the time, these targets would be politicians, local leaders various TV personalities and the like. It was pretty clear that this group practically fantasized about harming these people and they would state their intentions as graphically as they could. While this in and of itself is pretty sickening, it's just words. And yes, words have weight, but if they aren't being acted upon, then they remain just words. And that's what most of this was. Of course, After a while, some of the posts would slowly morph from angry words towards celebrities to basically doxing people local to the posters. They would go as far as posting photos of people of different ethnicities in their yards, at their homes, including a ton of personally identifiable information like where they worked, their home addresses, what they drove, their schedule. I remember there was one post where one of the members had actually uploaded a quick video of himself breaking into one of their homes during the day. He mentioned in the video that he did so because he knew they wouldn't be home and in the video, he actually trashed their home. He rampages through their living room, he smashed their TV, broke mirrors, he seriously just trashed their entire house and then ran out and got away from the scene. And, again, as terrible as destruction of private property was, it got worse. And this is where I personally checked out of the whole thing. There was a post from one of the users that was, I believe, in Texas. He made a post about how he found some people that were out in the open area near the border, and he made it very clear that these were immigrants crossing over. He detailed how he had spoken to them when he found them and how he had told them that they could stay in a property nearby that he owned. He had led them to an abandoned business, again claiming he owned it and then letting them in. Then he said that once they trusted him and were thinking that they would be able to lie low in the building, he pulled out a gun and shot and murdered them. He was gloating about how he had seriously murdered a couple of people that were crossing the border solely because he didn't like them. He was proud of this. The sick piece of garbage was bragging about how he was a murderer. One of the other users posted a comment that told him to prove it and that he would be rewarded if it were true. He then did prove it. He posted several photos of the people with a piece of paper that contained his user tag. Then he posted a picture of a child and mentioned that he didn't want to shoot the kid, but he didn't know what to do now that she was an orphan. That one user that told him to prove that he'd committed the murders told him that if he could get the child out of the state and a bit up north, he knew someone that would pay him for her. I stopped reading the thread after that, mostly because it clicked in me just how sick these people really were, how disgusting some individuals can seriously be. If anyone is curious, I did contact the police. I screenshot everything that I had seen, and I got in touch with, and then personally met with, a local officer. I showed them the page, I gave them all the information that I had. And I have to guess that they wanted to further investigate me, but seeing as how I was basically snitching on these guys, they didn't. And like I said before, I'm a totally different person now. I do not believe in any of the ideology that those people touted or pushed. And thinking of what I did believe back then still makes me sick to my stomach. To anyone out there that's in with these people or thinks like them, I hope you come to your senses. And to anyone out there that's thinking of hopping onto the dark web, please take this as a reason not to. I wanted to post this story up in hopes of explaining the horror that you can actually find on the dark web. Honestly, most of the things you find on the dark web aren't actually the horror movie cliche-laden websites that everyone seems to think they are. Most of the dark web is questionable or illegal adult content, some people trying to buy medications, stuff like that. If you're wanting something like what you see in the movies, you have to actually know where to look, as in have an onion link. I'm not saying that those things don't exist, they just aren't easily or readily available. A lot of people tend to think that it's like a dark version of Google, where you can search for crazy stuff and be given results within a few moments, but it's really not. Anyways, that out of the way, I wanted to talk about a dark web experience that was honestly horrifying for my friends and I. This was several years ago, I think we were 17 at the time, and we thought we were hackers. I know, it sounds stupid. but. The three of us were all about the nerdy crap. Python, networking, and again, quote-unquote, hacking. I'll spare myself the embarrassment in explaining all of that. Just know that we knew our way around a computer. Naturally, the three of us gravitated toward places like Reddit, and then 4chan, and things like that. I don't remember where we heard about the dark web. Probably from a friend, the news or on one of the aforementioned websites, but when we learned about the difference between surface web and dark web, our curiosity was piqued. We started looking into what it was, what was out there, and what we could do, and of course, we were enchanted with the hacker haven that it was glorified to be. We thought we would get on there, look at some of the questionable sites, and be the coolest kids because we accessed content that others didn't even know existed. So we did what we had to do. We loaded up Tor, we got information for some onion links, and got ready to have our minds blown. Of course, it ended up not being as interesting as we thought it was going to be. The sites were plain and bland. We saw a couple of sites selling pills others that we didn't even bother scrolling through because of the front pages, and a few webcam sites that we honestly just weren't interested in. I think all of us were getting a bit disappointed in what we were finding, though I don't know what we were expecting to find, really. I think we just started clicking through and going anywhere and everywhere that we could get to. Looking back, this was a really stupid idea. After clicking around for a while... We ended up on a page that looked a little flashier than the others. I can't remember the name of the page, but I think it was something along the lines of, Your Choice, or something like that. As we started on the home screen, the whole page looked like it was a site for a butcher shop. There were a number of pictures of meat slices and cuts all over the front page, explaining the quality and what seasoning went best with each piece. Unfortunately, I think you all can see where this is going. We ended up on a page with a list of cuts, and each of them had a diagram of a person. The part where the meat came from was highlighted. Some of what was on the page was horribly graphic, so I won't explain it in this story, but you can imagine what all was there. One of the most disturbing parts of this website was its explanation on its sourcing, I recall it explaining that all packaging would be discreet and that they would include their own seasoning packet that would go best with whatever you chose. What's worse, they explained that all of their meat was fresh and sourced on demand. They touted the fact that they had the ability to get everything when it was ordered. Obviously, we were freaked out by seeing this, seeing this kind of meat. We got off the site and pretty much immediately removed Tor. We all kept up our pursuits in the IT world, but I don't think any of us have ever been back to the dark web ever since. Alright, so check this out. When I was ten, my parents and I went to visit my grandmother for spring break, My cousin also came to visit and we decided we wanted to go to the YMCA for the day. My grandmother dropped us off and said she would come pick us up in 4 hours. On that day, the YMCA was empty. There were a couple of adults in the exercise room, but that's it. We went to the basketball court and after about 2 hours of playing tag and shooting baskets, we got bored. Now, I've never been the biggest fan of swimming, but this YMCA had a pretty cool pool, so we changed into our bathing suits and we headed in there. The pool was empty except for the lifeguard. We played a bunch of games and swam laps, but after about an hour of that, there wasn't much left to do and there was no one except us to hang out with to keep things interesting so we decided to play a game of seeing how long we could hold our breath underwater we stood in the shallow end near the clock on the wall so we could time ourselves instead of fully submerging we just stuck our heads face down in the water we did this a couple of times and i was winning on our last round i felt a tap on my shoulder i figured it was my cousin giving up and telling me that i had won But instead, it was the lifeguard who told me to knock it off or she was going to have to ask us to leave the pool. Since we were tired of being in the pool, we figured we would get out, get dressed, and go back to the basketball court until my grandmother came to pick us up. We only had an hour left anyways and the water was freezing. As we got out, the lifeguard stopped us and asked if we wanted to go into the sauna to warm up and dry off. The sign said 18 years or older, so of course we were super excited that she would allow us to do that. She walked us to the sauna and unlocked the door. The door was glass and the interior was made entirely out of wood. Inside, above the door, there was a clock, probably to help make sure that you weren't in there for an unsafe amount of time. The lifeguard stand was adjacent to the sauna, but if you looked out the door, you could clearly see it. She followed us in and went over to the thermometer encased in plastic and unlocked it so she could crank up the heat. I figured that she must have to turn it on each time, so I didn't think anything of it. Both my cousin and I were very short girls, and so we couldn't see the temperature that was printed on the thermometer knob, but I know she was turning up the heat. Then she left and shut the door behind her. I thought I saw her lock the door too, but I thought to myself, why would she lock the door when we might want to get out? I checked the clock and decided that we should get out in about 10 or maybe 15 minutes. It was already plenty warm in the sauna, but now the room was blazing. It felt nice because I was so cold from the pool. After about 15 minutes, it was starting to get a little bit too hot and My cousin agreed that we should leave so we can get dressed. I went to turn the knob on the door, but it wasn't budging. I thought maybe it was jammed, so I shook it, but it still wasn't opening, and then I let my cousin try. She couldn't get it open either. We figured the lifeguard would be back in a couple of minutes, so we sat back down and we waited. The room was getting hotter now, too, and I really just wanted to leave. I got up and started banging on the door and shaking and twisting the knob, trying to get the lifeguard's attention. My cousin got up and joined me. We started screaming at the top of our lungs for her to let us out, but she just stared straight ahead. I don't think there's any way that she couldn't have noticed or heard two little girls banging and kicking the door and screaming. Now we had been in there for about 25 minutes. It was so hot in the sauna that it hurt to breathe. It felt like my lungs were on fire. My eyes and my skin were burning. We sat back down and put our towels over our heads because they were still a little bit damp and that made it easier to breathe. I was so worried about my cousin as she is a couple of years younger than me. I looked at the clock and I saw that we had been there for 35 minutes. I got up and I went to the door again and I saw that the lifeguard was still just staring straight ahead. Again, i tried to get her attention by screaming that we needed out and banging on the door as hard as I could but still nothing. I was starting to get pretty dizzy so I went to go sit back down but the wooden seats of the sauna burned my skin. My towel was completely dry so I put it underneath me to sit on. My hair was also dry but I wrapped it across my face to cover my nose and I squinted my eyes so that they didn't burn as bad but I could still watch if anyone walked past the door. It helped a little bit. My cousin was laying face down with the towel over her head not moving or saying anything so I nudged her to make sure that she was still okay. She was but I could tell that we really needed to get out of there soon because she seemed a bit disoriented. It's now been 45 minutes and I was extremely nauseous. There was no way that the lifeguard would forget that we were in there and that she would have to come back soon but there was this little voice in my head telling me that maybe she purposely locked us in there. Finally, a man walked past the door towards the pool but For some reason, I just couldn't get up. My whole body was on fire and I felt so dizzy. Luckily, this man wasn't going to the pool. He wanted to be let into the sauna and came back with a lifeguard. I saw them walking this way and I immediately jumped up to grab my cousin. I knew now that for sure she had locked us in there because she pulled out her keys to unlock the door and to let the man in. I didn't want to take any chances of us being trapped in there any longer so as the man was trying to walk in i was trying to shove our way out as we were going out the lifeguard started trying to shut the door and to push us back in with it the man was clearly confused about what was going on and said ah i think i want out the lifeguard let out a sigh and opened the door fully and we ran away as fast as we could into the changing room. We only had about 10 minutes before my grandmother was supposed to pick us up. We were both so shaken by what just happened that we didn't say anything to each other as we got dressed or on the car ride home. When we got back to the house, my parents were making us dinner and I told them the story of what had just happened. They thought that I must have been exaggerating and they didn't believe me. I truly, think that that woman was going to let us cook alive in there. The only bit of doubt that I have is what would have happened if we actually died. She obviously would have gotten to blame. What was her end game? I'm 21 now, but I think about this interaction all the time, and when I'm in small spaces, or if I get too warm, I still have panic attacks. No one believes this story, and I get it, it's pretty absurd. I'm not sure if I'm allowed to ask for opinions here, but do you think that this could have been some crazy misunderstanding, or do you think that she really left us in there to die? And why? Well, to the lifeguard at the YMCA, please, let's not meet again. I was an extremely small and sickly child. I looked young for my age. My family and I lived out of town about 8 miles out. Our little community was next to a highway. The school bus would drop me off two blocks away from my home. One day, I noticed a red truck following slowly behind me. So slow that I figured they were just looking for a house or something. I ignored it and I walked to my house. And that was the end of that. I decided that enough was enough. I told my parents. Now, of course, my sister was quick to jump in that I was just lying. I I did have a habit of telling stories. But my mom, thankfully, believed me. She drove me to the bus stop the next morning, and the red truck was there, across the street at the gas station, pointing toward the bus. I got on the bus, and my mom decided to drive around the truck. She described the scene. The man was disheveled and dirty, hunched over in his seat just staring at the bus. His license plates were caked in mud so she couldn't make them out. It freaked her out so much that she called the police and the school. I went to school and was quickly pulled into the office. The man had been spotted at the school waiting in his red truck. That day... I rode the bus home and this time the truck was parked along the street. I would have to walk past this man's driver's side door to get home. I debated and considered running for it. Apparently, this man was getting desperate now that he was spotted. A police car showed up and I talked to the policeman. They went to go talk to the man. He quickly pulled away from the curb and sped off down the highway. Never saw him again, and I don't believe that he was ever caught. Because of this experience, I'm extremely guarded and paranoid with my own daughter and her soon-to-be sibling. The world is a terrifying place these days, and children go missing so easily. I don't like to think about if I had been grabbed. I wouldn't be here typing this. My kids wouldn't exist. I was lucky, but many children aren't. So, to the stranger with ill intentions, let's not meet. My friends went to Mexico for a vacation and asked me to house sit and to take care of their dogs while they were gone. They paid me $40 a day just to sit around and let the dogs out when they needed to go. I'm disabled, so that actually helps a lot. And this is a semi-rural area and houses are roughly a quarter mile apart. Police have to come from town, about 15 miles away, and response time can be well over an hour. I always take my pistol with me. It's always been quiet when I've stayed there, but this time was different. I was in the shower when the dogs started barking and growling. They're big, large German shepherds and... One is actually police trained. The owners loan him to county as a drug dog, and if you tell him to be quiet, he obeys. But this time, the dogs didn't obey, so I was on high alert. I shut off the water and I looked out the window. I didn't see anything, but when I walked out of the bathroom, I saw a shadow go across the bedroom window. That's because they have lights around the house that stay on all night. I whispered to the dogs to hush, and they did. And that's when I heard a man's voice. I couldn't make out everything he was saying, but I did distinctly hear two words. Come around. So I'm sure there was more than one person. I ran into the living room with my pistol, and I saw the door handle start to turn. I yelled, I have a gun, and I will use it and then I heard Feet running away. I went to tell Siri to dial 911, and I got to the county sheriff pretty fast. She said there were two cars on another call not far away, but it would take about 20 minutes for them to get to me. That's better than the usual hour, but I was pretty shaken. I explained that I was on a farm and would have to go down to the road and unlock a cattle gate to let them in, And to please tell the officers that I would be carrying a pistol and please don't shoot me by mistake because I was not going outside the house without it. The dispatcher said, oh no, do not go out there without your gun. I will tell them. That's the one good thing about living in a red state. She asked if I can see the road and I said I can. So she said to wait in the house until I saw the blue lights. I hung up and I called my friends in Mexico. Their camera footage can be downloaded via an app, and they said they would go through it while I waited for the cops. I locked the house and I went down to the gate where the police arrived. They searched the whole place, including the barn, but they didn't find anyone. While they were looking, my friends texted me the camera footage. There was a man on the porch. Unfortunately... The cameras were an angle to get a shot of his face, and of course it was dark. I still think that there was more than one creep because of what he said. Come around. The police were very nice, and they said that they had passed a man on a bike on the way, which is strange for this area, especially at night, and they went to go look for him, but that's really all they could do. They took a full report, but never caught the creep. My husband came and stayed with me for the rest of their trip. One of the neighbors said that he found a tent and some gear in the woods a few weeks before so somebody was living back there, maybe a homeless person from town. I have house out again since then and it's been pretty quiet. They're going away again for Christmas and I'll be there too. A lot of people ask me if I would have shot the creep had he broken in and yeah. Absolutely. I would be sorry that I had to hurt somebody, but it's them or me. So, to the creepy porch guy, let's never meet again. This happened to me the weekend of Halloween, and I personally don't like talking about it, but I've been told by my friend to share it just to get it off my chest. Me and a friend were invited to a house party just for college students in the richer area of town. So, the house was huge with an acre of land and a pool area too. This party was themed to be a little naughty, so my friend dressed in a sexy nurse outfit and I dressed as a belly dancer. The majority of the party took place in the house and there was maybe like 70 people because the house was very spacious so it wasn't too difficult to get around. I'm not much of a drinker, but I did have some juice that was available. Some friends pulled me and my friend over to take some pics, and I sat my drink down. After what felt like an hour of just taking pictures, I found my cup and I took another sip, not even worrying that I left my cup alone for so long. Then, a man came up to me who looked to be in his late 20s, maybe early 30s, He said my boyfriend's name and said that he's been trying to call me. That's when I realized that I didn't have my phone on me. I have loads of respect for my boyfriend. We always make sure to stay in contact with each other and since he had to work, I promised that I would contact him, but I had just forgotten. The man said it's urgent and said I can use his phone to call in one of the rooms. So not thinking at all, I followed the man If my boyfriend really wanted to call me, then I knew it would be something terrible. As we entered the room, I felt as if I had just ran a mile, and I felt winded. The man closed the door behind me and sat me on the bed and gave me his phone. I started to feel more weak, like I just got a migraine and I just couldn't make the call. Then I was helped to lay down, and within seconds, I was out cold. I woke up later, not sure where I was or what even happened. I found my friend rubbing a napkin on my tummy while yelling. It took me a bit to come back to reality and I realized I was in a bedroom with my friend cleaning some stuff off of me. That's when I had a panic attack and just realized that I quite possibly may have been abused. My friend calmed me down and told me that that didn't happen. She explained that she couldn't find me anywhere and assumed that I went to the bathroom. But after some minutes, I still didn't show. So she went to look for me, eventually checking the bedrooms and found me laying in bed with the guy sipping something out of my belly button. Apparently, he was drinking shots with my unconscious body and sucking alcohol out of my belly button licking salt from my chest and then kissing my lips. She didn't know how long this went on for, but I immediately felt sick and even coughed up just from the thought. Thankfully, my boyfriend got off of work early and my friend told him what happened. He picked me up while my friend asked around about the guy, but of course, no one knew of him or recognized him. I was taken to urgent care and was looked at, Thankfully, nothing was wrong with me and the drug in my drink didn't cause any further harm than just knocking me out. Now, I wish the story ends there, but I started to receive texts from a random guy. At first, he was just asking me random things and I just didn't reply, but then he showed me a picture of my torso and started saying creepy things to me and even giving me the impression that he was stalking me. This is still going on today, just texting me randomly. I've had the idea to try and bait him one of these days and finally bring some backup with me to catch him. But I don't know how smart he can be and what he'll do to me if things don't go as planned. It was October 31st, Halloween. At the time, my parents were still together and hadn't divorced yet, so me and my siblings, we stayed with each other, but my family did this thing where half of us would go with my mother and the other half would go with my father. I have five siblings, but at this time, my little sister wasn't born, so it was just four. Me and my sister, three years younger than me, went with my dad and my little brother, and my sister went with their mother. I had called up some friends to ask them if they wanted to go trick-or-treating with me and only one of my friends said that they could make it. Let's just call her Elle. My dad picked up Elle and we drove to this big neighborhood. Beautiful houses and a lot of candy. Me and Elle wandered off while my dad stayed with my sister. I was very hyper and from time to time I would run off and leave my friend behind so... I could get more candy and get to every house before Halloween was over. Halfway through trick-or-treating, Elle and I walked so far that no more kids were around us. We chatted about school and drama and what we were going to do with our candy, stuff like that. After what I would say was seven minutes, we heard a scraping sound, like someone was scraping something on the concrete we turned around to the sound and we saw a person dressed in a killer clown costume walking with a bat now me and l we were walking in the middle of the street confused and a little scared i had always hated clowns so i sped up a bit and so did l now me and l were walking in the middle of the street confused and a little scared I had always hated clowns, so I sped up a bit, and so did Elle. We kept turning our heads around to see the clown. After about 30 seconds, the clown stopped walking and just stood there, facing us. Now, at this point, it's quiet, and we're very scared, so we told each other that we should go meet up with my dad. We whip our heads to see the clown once more, and out of nowhere, he starts running. It's a full sprint towards us, and we burst out running as well, screaming and not even paying attention to where we were running to. It was a steep and quiet road, like a back road that used to be in my old apartments. The clown is screaming with us, and I didn't turn back, but L later on told me that the clown was holding his bat up like he was going to hit us with it. Me and L hit a corner, that led to a familiar street. We crossed the street without a thought in our heads, and when we reached the other side, it was very quiet. We didn't hear anyone screaming anymore. The clown was gone. He was no longer behind us, and after running around, we found my dad and we told him everything. He believed us because of our tears and our screams, and also most likely because we were nine-year-old kids and the look of terror on our faces as well. My worst fear is now killer clowns, and forever will be. Me and Elle will never forget that moment, and we talk about it from time to time to this day. It traumatized me. Thinking back at it now, the clown might have been some dumbass teenager in a costume trying to scare little kids. What a sicko. Let me start by saying that I don't believe, and even after this, I don't believe in ghosts. My first apartment after college was a nice second floor, so there was only one way in. When you came in my door, there were steps that went into my place. A few months later, I had laid down to go to bed. It's about 1am or so, and a few minutes after that, I heard clopping sounds like a horse, not like regular footsteps. I rolled over to see some light under my bedroom door with whatever it was walking up to the door and just standing there. Unfortunately, I was cleaning my gun in the living room earlier and forgot to bring it back into my bedroom, so I was laying there like, Jesus, what now? I'm not a scared man by any means, but I had the feeling that if I were to get out of bed and open the door, it wouldn't have been good. About five minutes later, have gone by and then whatever it was, turned to the right and then stomped off. I stayed awake all night and I waited until the sun was up all the way before I got up. My front door wasn't broken or ajar, so I went to the hardware store and I got one of those bar locks you put inside that makes it impossible to open from the outside. Two nights later, I was woken up by the same sound, clomping like a horse. And for some reason, this time it had me far more terrified. The light from last time had an orange-red tint to it, along with that I could hear some heavy breathing, and after a few minutes, the doorknob started to be messed with. I had warned who or whatever it was that I had a firearm, and I will use it if the activity doesn't stop immediately. And to this day, I swear I heard some kind of weird, deep, almost guttural laugh. I got the nerve to get out of bed and stand in front of my door about six or seven feet back. I racked it to put one in the chamber and I gave a final warning. Just for some clarification, the way my apartment was set up was that there was nothing towards the way I was facing, just a large wooded area, so I knew there was no risk of someone being hit, especially at around 2am this time. I looked down, and it seemed the light had begun to get brighter, and I swear I had started to smell sulfur, so I gave one more warning, and then I shot three times through my door. Two a little high, and one a little lower, Basically, where I thought I would be close to the head and neck, and then close to the chest or stomach area. And it was almost instantly, the shadow under the door was gone, along with the light, and the smell of sulfur ceased immediately. No lingering funk. No nothing. I very slowly opened the door and, even slower, went through my place. Nothing. There was nothing there. I was confused and terrified and honestly, I was shook. My apartment was in, at the time, an area where gunshots aren't really ever reported unless someone was hit and needed an ambulance. Needless to say, I was up for the rest of the night sitting in my living room and I don't think my heart went pounding for a couple of hours straight. It would have been too expensive to break my lease. So I stayed for another three months until my lease was up, but since that last interaction, it never happened again. I just know that it scared the shit out of me. I had never had anything like that happen before that apartment or since. This is the first time that I've ever told this story never to a friend, my girlfriend, or any family members. All I know is that it scared the crap out of me. Again, I don't believe in ghosts i still don't but whatever this was was terrifying does anyone have any theories of what it was that i experienced now to be honest and it makes me sound crazy but i think it was a demonic presence of some sort i'm just glad that i got up the nerve to have a direct confrontation and stopped it christ even telling the story still gives me the heebie-jeebies I'm very sorry for the long rant, but like I said, it's the first time I've publicly shared this story and I wanted to try not to leave anything out. It just terrified me. We made USAA insurance to help you save... Take advantage of discounts when you cover your home and your ride. Discover how we're helping members save at USAA.com bundle. USAA. Restrictions apply.
0: Hello, saver. Whether you're saving for that trip to the tropics or saving for an emergency, now is the time to take advantage of Wells Fargo's savings options. Wells Fargo offers savings accounts that can help you save towards your goals. So what are you saving for? Visit a Wells Fargo branch or wellsfargo.com backslash save to open a savings account today.
1: Wells Fargo Bank N.A. Member FDIC.